Chapters fifteen and sixteen of the third volume by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Fifteen, a popular author. Bearing in mind that the character of Hilliston had been rehabilitated by Mrs. Bessel, it was natural that Claude should feel somewhat annoyed at the persistent mistrust manifested toward the gentleman by Tate. However, he had no time to explain or expostulate at the present moment and moreover as he knew that the little man was assisting him in this difficult case out of pure friendship he did not deem it politic to comment on what was assuredly an unfounded prejudice tate was singular in his judgments stubborn in his opinions so claude unwilling to risk the loss of his coadjutor wisely held his peace his astute companion guessed these thoughts for in place of further remarking on the inexplicable presence of hilliston he turned the conversation toward the man they were about to see queer thing isn't it he said as they ascended the stairs linton is the son of the vicar of thorston ah that no doubt accounts for his intimate knowledge of the locality do you know him of course i do as frank linton but i had no idea that he was john parver why did he assume a nom de plume tate shrugged his shoulders paternal prejudice i believe he said carelessly mr linton does not approve of sensational novels and moreover wishes his son to be a lawyer not a literary man young frank is in a solicitor's office in lincoln's inn fields and he employed his evenings in writing a whim of fate he published it under the name of john parver so as to hoodwink his father but now that he has scored a success i have no doubt he will confess do you think we will learn anything from him we will learn all we wish to know as to where he obtained his material the young man's head is turned and by playing on his vanity we may find out the truth his vanity may lead him to conceal the fact that he took the plot from real life i don't think so i know the boy well and he is a great babbler no one is more astonished than i at learning that he is the celebrated john parver i didn't think he had the brains to produce so clever a book it is clever assented claude absently of course it is much cleverer than its author retorted tate dryly or rather i should say its supposed author for i verily believed jenny painton helped him to write the book who is jenny painton a very nice girl who lives at thorston she is twice as clever as this lad and they are both great on literary matters but i'll tell you all about this later on for here is linton the celebrated author was a light-haired light-complexioned young man of six-and-twenty with bowed shoulders a self-satisfied smile and a pince-nez which he used at times to emphasize his remarks he evidently possessed conceit sufficient to stalk a dozen ordinary men and lisped out the newest ideas of the day as promulgated by his college for he was an oxford man although he was still in his salad days he had settled to his own satisfaction all the questions of life and therefore adopted a calm superiority which was peculiarly exasperating claude liberal-minded but hot-blooded had not been five minutes in his company before he was seized with a wild desire to throw him out of the window frank linton inspired that uncharitable feeling in many people for the moment mr linton was alone as his latest worshipper a raw-boned female of the cab-horse species had just departed with a fat little painter in quest of refreshment 
therefore when he turned to greet claude he was quite prepared to assume that fatigued self-conscious air with which he thought fit to welcome new votaries linden this is mr larcher said tate abruptly claude you see before you the lion of the season it is very good of you to say so mr tate simpered the lion in no wise disclaiming the compliment i am pleased to make your acquaintance mr larcher and i yours mr linton or shall i say mr parver oh either name will answer said the author loftily though in town i am known as parver only and in thorston as linton interpolated tate smartly then your father does not yet know what a celebrated son he has not yet mr tate i intend to tell him next week i go down to thorston for that purpose ah my friend and i will no doubt meet you there we also seek rural felicity for a month but now that you have taken london by storm i suppose you intend to forsake the law for the profits of course i do replied linton quickly i never cared for the law and only went into it to please my father and now you go into literature to please miss Painton linton blushed at this home thrust and being readier with the pen than the tongue did not know what answer to make pitying his confusion and anxious to arrive at the main object of the interview claude interpolated a remark bearing thereon did you find it difficult to work out the plot of your novel mr linton he said with assumed carelessness oh not at all the construction of a plot is second nature with me i suppose you and miss peyton talked it over together said tate artfully well yes answered linton again falling into confusion i found her a good listener i presume it was all new to her i think so of course she gave me some hints evidently linton was determined to admit nothing so seeing that tate's attack was thus repulsed claude brought up his reserve forces i saw in a paper the other day that your book was an impossible one that nothing analogous to its story ever happened in real life several critics have said that replied linton growing angry and thereby losing his caution but they are wrong as i could prove did i choose to do so what said claude in feigned astonishment did you take the incident from real life the tale is founded on an incident from real life answered linton flushing that is miss Painton told me of a certain crime which was actually committed and on her hint i worked out the story oh miss Painton told you said tate smoothly and where did she see the account of this crime ah that i cannot tell you replied linton frankly she related the history of this crime and refused to let me know whence she obtained it i thought the idea a good one and so wrote the novel why don't you tell this to the world and so confound the critics i do i have told several people for instance i told a gentleman about it this very evening just because he made the same remark as mr larcher did tate drew a long breath and stole a look at claude that young man had changed colour and gave utterance to the first idea that entered his mind was it mr hilliston who made the remark hilliston hilliston said linton thoughtfully yes i believe that was the man a tall old gentleman very fresh-coloured he was greatly interested in my literary work 
who could help being interested in so clever a book said claude in a meaning tone but mr hilliston is a lawyer and i suppose you do not like members of that profession now why should you say that demanded linton rather taken aback by this perspicacity well for one thing you admit a dislike for the law and for another you make michael dean the solicitor commit the crime in a whim of fate oh i only did that as he was the least likely person to be suspected said the author easily jenny that is miss Painton, wanted me to make markham commit the crime markham is jerringham murmured tate under his breath who committed the crime in the actual case he added aloud no one knows answered linton shrugging his shoulders the case as related to me was a mystery i solved it after my own fashion in the third volume you trace the assassin by means of a breastpin belonging to michael dean said claude again in favour is that fact or fiction fiction miss Painton invented the idea she said that as the dagger inculpated the woman the breastpin found on the banks of the river would lead to the detection of the man and as i worked it out the idea was a good one ah murmured tate to himself i wonder if mr hilliston has anything to do with a breastpin by this time linton was growing rather restive under examination as he was by no means pleased at having to acknowledge his indebtedness to a woman's wit seeing this tate abruptly closed the conversation so as to avoid waking the suspicions of linton a very interesting conversation he said heartily i like to get behind the scenes and see the working of a novelist's brain we will say good-bye now linton and i hope you will call at the manor-house next week when we will all three be at thorston delighted i'm sure replied the author and thereupon melted into the crowd leaving claude and tate looking at one another well said the former after a pause we have not learned much on the contrary i think we have learned a great deal said tate raising his eyebrows we know that linton got the whole story from jenny Painton, and that mr hilliston is in possession of the knowledge what use can it be to him he will try and frustrate us with miss Painton as he did mrs bezel with you do you still doubt him asked claude angrily yes replied tate coolly i still doubt him sixteen a false move the next day the two young men repaired to the club for the purpose of having luncheon and discussing their plans contrary to the wish of claude his friend did not deem it advisable to at once depart for thorston as he wished to remain in town for a few days on business connected with hilliston you see you are quite in the dark regarding that gentleman said tate as they lighted their cigarettes after dinner and before we commence operations at thorston it will be advisable to know that he is not counteracting our efforts in that case you had better go down to thorston and i will remain in town so as to keep an eye on hilliston i don't think that will be necessary replied tate reflectively it is more than probable that hilliston will visit thorston for what purpose can't you guess last night he learned from linton that jenny Painton supplied the material for that novel consequently he will see her and if possible find out where she heard the story yes i suppose he will said claude thoughtfully by the way who is miss Painton, who now seems to be mixed up in the matter 
she is the daughter of an old recluse called ferdinand peyton a recluse huh that's strange why so you would not say so if you saw the old man he is an invalid and lives in his library a charming companion though i must say he is rather sad where does he live at thorston half a mile from the manor-house not very rich i should think his cottage is small like his income and his daughter lives with him yes a pretty girl she is who inherits his literary tastes it is my impression that she wrote the most part of that novel from all i know of frank linton he has given more to poetry than to prose jenny has the brain not frank oh ho said claude smiling is it the sceptical misogynistic tate i hear speaking himself i admit that i do not care for women as a rule but there are exceptions to every rule and in this case jenny Payton is the exception is she in love with our author no but i rather think he is in love with her as you will be when you see her i what are you talking about tate i have more to do than to fall in love with country wenches however pretty jenny is not a country wench said tate with some displeasure she is a highly educated young woman worse and worse i hate highly educated blue stockings you won't hate jenny at all events especially as it is probable you will see a great deal of her no i shall keep away from her said claude doggedly that's impossible we must manoeuvre to get at the truth by asking her straight out she certainly will not gratify our curiosity we must plot and plan and take her unawares she is not a fool like linton remember what do you call a lion of the season by so opprobrious a name i do replied tate serenely because i don't believe he wrote the book well well never mind linton we have pumped him dry the next thing is to tackle the fair jenny how do you intend to set about it i can't say at present we must be guided by circumstances i will introduce you to the rector and to mr Payton. there will be musical parties and lawn-tennis fetes so in some way or another we may find out the truth does any one else live with Payton? his wife for instance no his wife died before he came to thorston where he has been a long time an old servant called carrie lives with him man or woman man a queer old fellow rather morose hm a flattering description by the way he bears the same name as the ancient retainer in boucicault's play why shouldn't he it may be an assumed name tate threw a surprised glance at his friend and laughed quickly who is suspicious now said he smiling you blame me for suspecting hilliston yet here you are doubtful of people whom you have never seen before larcher could answer this home thrust a waiter entered with a letter for him which had just arrived from hilliston said claude recognizing the writing i wonder what he has to say it's only another move in the game murmured tate then as claude after glancing at the letter uttered an ejaculation of surprise he added what is the matter hilliston is going down to eastbourne impossible cried tate holding out his hand for the letter he is surely not so clumsy as to show his hand so plainly he does though read the letter yourself my dear claude 
wrote hilliston mrs hilliston has decided to leave town for eastbourne this week so it is probable we will see you and mr tate down there if you can spare the time come to dinner at half-past seven to-night and tell me how you are getting on with your case yours very sincerely francis hilliston well said claude as tate silently returned the letter what do you think i think that hilliston intends to look up jenny Payton. i can see that replied claude impatiently but touching this invitation to dinner except but i promise to see my mother to-night and tell her about john barber she will expect me as i have written i will take your apologies to her said tate quietly you yes listen to me claude continued the little man in a tone of suppressed excitement you will keep your belief in hilliston i tell you he is your enemy and wishes you to leave this case alone to-night he will make one last attempt to dissuade you if he succeeds he will not go to eastbourne if he fails you can depend on it he will try and see jenny before we do now to thwart his aims we will go down to thorston by an early train to-morrow morning but i must see my mother before i leave town no i will tell her all she wishes to know she might not like it this is not a case for likes or dislikes said tate grimly but a question of getting the better of hilliston you must dine with him to-night and find out if possible if it was his wife or himself who suggested this visit to eastbourne you need not tell him we go down to-morrow say you don't know that you await my decision try and learn all you can of his attitude and plans then we will discuss the matter when you return on my part continued tate significantly i may have something to say about your mother you want to see her yes i am extremely anxious to see her perhaps you suspect her cried claude in a fiery tone bless the man what a temper he has said tate jocosely i don't suspect any one except hilliston but i am quicker than you and i wish to learn precisely what your mother has to say a chance remark on her part may set us on the right path well i will be guided by you said claude in a few minutes you can go to hampstead and i will dine with hilliston but i don't like the task to sit at a man's table and scheme against him is not my idea of honour nor is it mine you are doing no such thing all i wish you to do is to observe hilliston's attitude and hold your tongue there is nothing wrong in that i want to find out his motive for this behaviour then why not see him yourself i will see him at thorston meantime it is necessary that i become acquainted with your mother now come and wire an acceptance to hilliston and write a letter to your mother for me to deliver claude obeyed he was quite content to accept the guidance of tate in this matter and began to think that his friend was right in suspecting hilliston else why did the lawyer's plans so coincide with their own mind you don't tell hilliston too much said tate when the wire was dispatched i shall tell him that we go to thorston shortly and that we saw john parver no don't tell him about john parver he will be certain to mention the subject first well and if he does oh you must use your brains replied tate ironically baffle his curiosity and above all make no mention of the breastpin episode related in the third volume 
why not because jenny Payton told linton of that she could not have obtained it from the newspapers as it is not related therein it is pure invention no i believe it to be a fact but who could have told it to miss Payton? ah said tate in a low tone find me the person who told her that and i'll find the man who murdered your father End of chapters 15 and 16